This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening to everyone out there in Radio Land tonight. What you are about to listen to is part two of my discussion with my friend and fellow believer, Larry Atchison, in regards to the issue of the titles we apply to Yahweh. We continue to discuss whether or not we should be referring to Yahweh with the title God a word that most likely traces back to an idol that Yahweh condemns through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 65, verse 11. Hope you enjoy. Now, let me ask you this, Larry, and I've presented this to people in this fashion, and I want to know your understanding or if this is a proper way to kind of give an analogy about what you're saying. I kind of associate it with the issue of pagan days versus, let's say, simply... American holidays. And this is my example. You and I both agree that to celebrate days like Easter and Christmas, we agree that those have pagan origins and therefore based upon commandments like Deuteronomy 12, 28 through 32, Jeremiah 10, etc., we feel that we should disassociate ourselves and not have anything to do with mixing Yahweh's pure worship with holidays that originated with the worship to idols or other mighty ones. However, when it comes to a day, let's say like the 4th of July, and that's really not a big celebration here in the Jansen home, but my children like to watch fireworks. So sometimes on the 4th of July, we'll take them out and watch the fireworks that the local county or city will shoot off at night. I don't think that that's wrong. And the reason I don't is because when I trace the 4th of July back, I don't see that it originated with any worship to a false mighty one. Is that kind of the same thing that you're you're saying here with the titles? When we trace a title back, its origin is what we're really wanting to center in on. What did it mean originally? What does it mean in the eyes of Yahweh? Am I I making a, a good analogy with that, Larry? What do you think about that? At first, I didn't know where you're going with that, but now that I see, you know, you did lay a great piece of groundwork there, and I fully agree. You might make an analogy between the Fourth of July and the the English word uh, "almighty." Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to do an in-depth investigation into the origin of the English word "almighty" to see is it the name of a heathen idol. I, I mean, uh, scholars really recognize that it's not the name of a heathen idol. Uh, in the same way, the 4th of July, when you do the tracing, you don't trace it back to idol worship. So all we're do, all you're doing is you're celebrating the fact that we uh, we have the freedoms in this nation to worship, just like we have the freedom right now to have this conversation because men chose to fight for their freedoms, fight for the freedom to worship our Heavenly Father the way we choose. And so as a result of that, yes, I'm going to, on the 4th of July, if they want to celebrate the fact that we were, were liberated, we were given our freedoms, I will join in that celebration. I think that we should be rejoice that we live in a country where we can 
freely worship without fear of being uh, hauled away and imprisoned because we didn't worship the way that the church, as they call it, uh, requires. So I, I do rejoice in that. And we know if you look, if you research ancient history, or actually it's not all that old, but uh, you find that you know, that's why our forefathers came here in the first place was to escape religious persecution. And so here we are, and, and then there, there's a threat to that, that we will uh, have to still bow down to the church or whatever. Uh, and so we fought against that. We fought against you know, other, of course, uh, unfair practices as well. But we fought for – that's one of the tenets of our – I guess the hallmark of liberty is the fact that we do welcome those who worship the Almighty in their own way so long as they do it respectfully and not uh, with any harm intended to anyone else. Yeah. Now, some people, Larry, in quoting a passage out of the Torah, and the Torah is the first, generally the first five books of Hebrew Scripture where we find the teachings and instructions or the laws of Almighty Yahweh. I've been quoted this passage in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 13, and I'm reading out of the King James Version. It's just the one I have handy here. It says, and in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect and make no mention of the names of other Elohim, that's the Hebrew word, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. This is a passage that I've had quoted to me, and I obviously believe it's a legitimate passage out of Yahweh's Torah, and we need to understand the meaning of it. But some people have quoted this passage to me, and they have suggested that what we should do is rid our vocabulary of every English word that originates with paganism or heathenism. How do you feel about that? Well, that's a very honorable uh, desire, and I, I do appreciate the desire to honor Yahweh in that regard. And, and many people have tried, and I will say that that would include uh, June and me, uh, we uh, have researched many words in our English language. You know, many people are not aware, for example, that the word the word vitamin comes from uh, heathen worship. Innumerable words, uh, even the word the, is uh, shown to have been wow. a, a heathen word. <laughs> so you can you could just uh, tirelessly go into all of the English words that when you trace them out, they, they have uh, counterparts that are pronounced as names of idols in other languages. To me, I think we have to draw the line somewhere. We take our vitamins to be healthy. We, cereal, even cereal, they say it can be translated, or I'm sorry, traced to the name of an idol. Uh, and I could give you a, a whole slew of different words that Jude and I were working on eliminating from our vocabulary, and eventually you realize that it's a futile effort. But if we can focus our desire on honoring our Heavenly Father, if we can, we understand that the words we use to communicate to others, they're going to contain some words that are traced to idol worship. We, we can't avoid that. But if we can focus when we worship our Heavenly Father, why would I want to uh, settle for anything less than the best mm. when it comes to our service and our worship of our Heavenly Father? So, you know, just as I, I don't want to call you my Hitler because I respect you as a person. 
maybe you know we aren't the best of friends with everybody out there, but you know, I don't care who you are. Uh, I would never want to call anyone out there, uh, even those I don't really care for too much. I wouldn't want to call them my Hitler. Uh, if I were to call someone, hey, may I call you my Hitler? Most people would be a little bit offended right there because I would choose that that name to translate as a word for friend. It's just like, why would you want to do that? So now then, why would I want to translate a name of a heathen idol and say, well, that's acceptable translation of the Hebrew word Elohim. And so therefore, I'm going to call uh, Yahweh my God. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to, to think that I would want to take this name of heathen idol. You know, what, what I want to call, you know, Yahweh, my, my Zeus. You know, well, Zeus is the name of a heathen idol. Uh, why would I want to do that? And, and nevertheless, we've, if you've read our study, you know that one of our chief opponents in this issue, when he was cornered on this, he eventually admitted that, yes, he would refer to Yahweh as his Zeus, and honorably so, if the cultural setting was different. Basically, if he were living in Greece, for example, uh, he would say, I worship Yahweh, but Yahweh is my Zeus. And, and that's where you have to go with this when you understand mm. that God is originally the name of a heathen idol. Yeah, and one of the things, if I recall, if my memory serves me right, one of your rebuttals to that, and I thought it was a good point, is that we should not be concerned with our culture or what's honorable in the eyes of our society. We should be concerned with what's honorable in the eyes of Yahweh in his culture, his society, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, we have been conditioned that God is acceptable. But, you know, Yahweh doesn't think like a man. We, we think, well, uh, the, to me, it's okay. Well, Yahweh doesn't think like you. We have to do our – that's what our whole purpose here is, is to try to, to, to make our brain waves match up with Yahweh's, well, the way Yahweh thinks. What does Yahweh think about this? We will do so accordingly. Let's don't ask what does someone else say. What, is, what does this person say about God? Well, what does Yahweh say? Well, I'll tell you, if you want to find out what Yahweh says about God, why don't you go to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 11? And, and then you answer that question to me. Do you think that that would really honor the Heavenly Father by referring to him with the name that he himself has singled out as the name of a heathen idol, and he, worship, and he condemns this worship of this idol? Does that honor him? So to me, it's, it's, it's a very simple equation. Uh, God is the name of a heathen idol. Do we honor Yahweh by referring to him with the name of a heathen idol? I think most people would understand that, no, you cannot do that, that you just can't. What about people that use, like, the argument of homonyms? A homonym is words that, although are in different languages, they sound the same or even in some cases identical. And so an argument that usually comes up, and this is one that had persuaded me at least for a certain amount of time in the past, is that the English word God, even though it sounds like the Hebrew word God, has no connection. They have no connection between the two. And so in English, we say God, and it means supreme being, authority. But the Hebrew word God, if we're speaking Hebrew, that has to do with an idol, fortune, etc. How, how do you answer that? Uh, basically, what you're saying is God isn't connected to God. So you have to do a study in the etymology. And this is what June and I have really worked on trying to, to validate is, is that true? 
is, is it true that God is not connected to God? Well, I believe if you, it's difficult to connect the dots right here in, in our little setting with sure. the limited time that we have. But you first of all, keep in mind that, uh, wow, what a major coincidence this is that you've got this idol named God, and then you've got this word named God that somehow, as I mentioned earlier, an arbitrary decision was made to translate Elohim into English as God. Where, where did that come from? Mm. Well, keep in mind where the English language uh, originates. Uh, the English language uh, has its beginnings, if you do the studying, into the uh, Germanic languages. The, the Germanic, and I think it's called the Frisian uh, dialects, if mm -hmm. you go into the, the ancient. Uh, and so look up God in your dictionary, your basic dictionary, and it was worshipped by the Druids. Uh, that was who they worshipped was God, and that's where were the Druids? They were in Germany. So it, it's a, and God is called it's called a Teutonic word, and once again the Teutons that's that's Germanic. Uh, that's where this comes from. The question then lies in where does that come from? Well, again, think of the the parallel here. God is the name of the uh, idol whose worship is condemned by Yahweh. And then you've got God, who when, the best that the, the, the etymologist can come up with is it's tied into the Teutonic word, you know, Germanic word. Uh, this is who they worshiped. And then when they were converted to Christianity, they transferred that, uh, that word and, into the English language as a part of their, their worship. So they carried that over into English. When they were converted to Christianity, they decided to go ahead and keep and retain that word, even though it itself was tied in to their own heathen worship. So what a coincidence that you've got two words, both pronounced God, that are associated with religious practices and, and worship. And mm -hmm. so what, what they're saying is it's just, Larry, it's just a coincidence that these two words happen to appear this way. Well, now then, this is where you mentioned earlier that I had done some tracing of the of the word God. Uh -huh. uh, if you read our study, you'll see where uh, you know that the the worship of God was actually in existence in the what we call the Holy Land, and then as the twelve uh, or the ten tribes were scattered. Uh -huh. uh, they they brought the worship. They, they were worshiping. That's why they were scattered in the first place. They were they had abandoned their faith in Yahweh and they were worshiping idols. And one of those idols was indeed God. And if you you know you go into Russia, you know what's the word uh, God in Russian? If you say the word God in Russian, what what do the people think? What what is it that you're saying in their language? And it's the word reptile. And, and then you go into uh, carry that on over to Ireland, and you have a, an idol that they worship there that was named God El Glas. And now people say, well, again, Larry, that <laughs> you can't make that connection. Uh, God El Glas, that's that has nothing to do with the idol whose worship Yahweh condemned in Isaiah 65:11. Well, first of all, uh, think about the word El. There's another coincidence in itself. Again, we know that El comes from Elohim, and yet there's El right there in the middle of this idol's name, God El Gloss. The word Gloss in the uh, the ancient Irish tongue, the Celtic language, was 
uh, it meant green. L was their word for deity, or as many of our English people would say, their word for God. But the word God itself is a transliteration of that same name that Yahweh, whose worship Yahweh can So what you're really having here is an idol whose name translated means God, the green snake deity. He, he was worshipped as a serpent. Serpents were worshipped in Ireland. If you do the study of the uh, the history of Ireland, that's where a lot of their idols in the ancient times were in the forms of serpents. You've got another name of uh, an idol in Ireland uh, named Altos. And I forget exactly what tin means, but uh, of course, gloss, again, is the word for green. But Baal, where does that come from? Where, where Are you going to say that that is another, yet another coincidence that Baal just happened to appear in Ireland, just like God happened to appear, just like El happened to appear? So these words were carried across, and guess what? These words also made their way into what we know as Germany. It was all across Europe, and so this is where the the word God, as far as I can trace it, it emanates not from Germany, but it comes from, again, it's all connected to that ancient idol that was worshipped in Haran. Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a point when we have to say that there's too many coincidences. We can't deny all of that evidence. One thing that I found interesting, too, in reading your work was that a lot of the etymologists admitted that the etymology of the English word God was difficult to ascertain. They said that it's a tangle of guesses or it's a lot of guesswork. And one of the most common etymologies for that word was traced back to what they called a proto-Indo-European root that didn't sound anything like the English word God. I believe the word was goo or something to that effect. And they said that it meant to invoke. Well, even there, even that just that one little step, if the word in English God simply means to invoke, is it then is it then the best way for us to translate the Hebrew word El or Elohim, which means strength, might, power? Would it the would it be then the best way to translate that word over into English? I don't think that it would be. I absolutely agree with that. And you you don't you you don't really know where where does this word, as you say, goo come from and and how does this word goo <laughs> how, how does this word even it, it the only resemblance it even shares with god is the is the g sound mm-hmm. otherwise there's it doesn't even have a phonetic uh resemblance at all um and you know there's an actual coworker of mine when i described the situation back when we originally wrote our study that uh, I described the whole situation about goo and how do you think that sounds like God at all? And 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 he, this guy again, he's not even a believer. And I, I was just sharing this with him at work, and he said that to me that sounds like a gooey mess. <laughs> <laughs> and I I said I hope you don't mind if I borrow that. <laughs> but uh, you know you, you're, you're it's a bunch of guesses as you said the etymologists themselves are guessing at this, and so based upon the etymologist guesses, we have people that are saying, well, since they don't know for sure, we're going to bank on God being an acceptable translation. Uh. In in view, and again, 
it's a simple matter of you've got a word that's pronounced God, uh, the name of a heathen idol. Why would you want? Why would you want? What, 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 as they say, what's the motivation? Yes. What's the motivation to refer to our Heavenly Father with a title that matches the name of an idol? Yes, and really the burden of proof should be on the people that believe that God is an honorable title for Yahweh rather than being on those that believe it's not. Because if they ask us, well, can you prove 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt that it traces to the Isaiah 65, 11 God, and let's say we we're only 50% sure or 5% sure, mm-hmm. really the burden of proof is not on us. If there's any chance that we could be dishonoring Yahweh by attributing to him a title that was originally the name of a false deity or a false mighty one, then we shouldn't bank, we shouldn't take that chance, I don't think. Fully agree. Uh, if there is any possibility that it is connected with heathen worship, then why should I say, well, based upon the etymologist's guesses, it's possible that God is acceptable, and therefore, there you have it. That's So So there you go, it's okay. Well, that doesn't prove anything. You're, all you're proving is to yourself. You know, and you're, you're to, to yourself, it's okay that these people guessed, and so since they guessed that it might possibly be okay, you're accepting that in view of the obvious. Well, you know, there there's the obvious. Yahweh has condemned the worship of an idol named God, and nevertheless, you're saying that, yes, but it's not the same as God. God is not connected to God, as they would say. Mm. I'm thinking, like, does that make any sense? Okay, Larry, now, this is another big objection that usually is given, and we'll take some time with this. What about when people say, Larry, if, if God is such a bad word to use or to speak, then why in the world did Leah name in Genesis 30, I believe it's verse 11, why did Leah give this name to one of her children? And and why would Jacob Israel, her husband, allow this name to be given to one of his sons if indeed it traces to a heathen idol? This is something I think we need to answer. I think it's a legitimate question, but how, how do you deal with this? That is another great question that, uh, yes, you're right, that is a big objection. Those who really study into this, and I believe I bring it out successfully in our study, the fact is that Jacob himself, in spite of what this noble image that we all have of Jacob, the fact remains that uh, you've got, you go back to Genesis chapter 35, as late as Genesis 35, we know he is telling his household after he's moved away from his uh, uncle Laban, or his uh, uh, father-in-law Laban, Genesis chapter 35, 2, he says, Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. In other words, they were worshiping idols. And so here's this righteous Jacob that we all have this image that he was, you know, uh, pure in his heart towards Yahweh. Well, nevertheless, he at that point told him or told his family to get rid of the idols that they were worshiping. And I've already mentioned to you that Leah and Rachel were raised in this household of Laban. Uh, Anyone that studies into this, well, it doesn't take much studying to see that he himself worshiped idols. Uh, So he was an idol worshiper. In fact, that's how he was able to locate 
uh, Rachel and uh, uh, Leah, after they departed, he got his idols out and he was able to determine where they were. Yes. So yes. they were raised in a heathen household. And then Jacob himself, I'm trying to think where this conditional promise is. I don't have a memory of exactly where that's at. And you might know, having read our study. But uh, Jacob at one point told Yahweh that if, if you will bless me, and, and do all these things to me, then when I return, I will serve you. <laughs> and that was a conditional promise that he made to Yahweh. And I Here it is. It's I'm reading this out of your study. It's Genesis chapter twenty eight. Okay, Genesis twenty eight. Twenty through twenty one. I'll read it from right here. It says okay. and if and you've got that in bold print. Yeah. And if the Almighty will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then shall Yahweh be my almighty. So I see your point. He's saying, if these things take place, then you'll be my almighty. Then I'll worship you. So he's trying to put a condition, it seems, upon Yahweh. Exactly. So he wasn't really fully committed at that point. So we do really need to be open to the very extreme likelihood that uh, Jacob did indeed tolerate idol worship within his own family. As hard as it may be for us to believe and accept, that's what the evidence shows from Scripture itself. But he, even there, for him to make this conditional vow to Yahweh, and then later on, after they've left his uh, father-in-law— uh, and then to tell his household to put away the strange idols, or as they say, says in the King James, gods that you're worshiping. Uh, he was actually tolerating that up until that point, and that, that's when he's, at that point, he's finally saying, okay, that's enough now, you can get rid of them now. Um, and so we understand that Leah was raised in this heathen home, and they did, in, in the area where she lived, which is in the area of Haran, the idol named God was worshiped. This is not uh, anything that we you know is even merits a debate. It's it's a it's an understanding that scholars recognize, and so again, bearing in mind the fact that this idol named God was known as the idol of fortune, when Zilpah, uh, the handmaid of uh, when her handmaid named Zilpah gave birth to this this child, uh, she said Ba God, which means with fortune, mm. and so. In consequence, or, you know, in, as a as a uh, I guess expression of that fortune that she experienced, she named him, gave him the name God. So mm. she named him after this heathen idol. This is uh, something as well. I I know I've, I've brought this up before, but when the Hebrew when the Hebrew scholars who translated the Septuagint when they came to this Ba God, they uh, chose to translate it Taiki. People will wonder, well, what's the significance? Why did they translate ba God as Taiki? And when you you know do a search on the word Taiki, spelled T-Y-C-H-E, what is Taiki? And if you do a search on that, do a Google search, whatever, you'll find that it is a Greek goddess of fortune. So what they're doing is they're conveying the thought process that she had in her mind. What she was thinking was the idol of fortune. And so you've got the Hebrew scholars trying to convey to their Greek reading audience, keeping in mind they would not understand if they were to say Ba God. They they, they don't know what Ba God even means. So they 
they have to put this into a phraseology that will mean something to their Greek readers. If they say Tyche, then what, what's the Greek person going to think when they see the word Tyche? This is fortune. It is fortune, and it's tied into the goddess of fortune. Uh, it's it's an idol of fortune, so they think this. And now then, when they see the name that she gave to Zilpah's son, it was God. And again, in the Greek, this word is pronounced as, not as Gad, it's pronounced God is the name that uh, she gave to Zilpah's son, that their understanding was that she named, what she had in mind when she named Zilpah's son was an idol of fortune. Otherwise, they would not have used the word Tyche. Yeah, that's they, a, they could have used. There's a word like a eulogia, or I, I don't know the exact Greek word, but there's a Greek word for blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, eulog, that they could have used instead of that, or that she would have conveyed that she's just trying to think of a, a word that means blessing or something of that sort. But they thought of the the name of a of an idol of fortune to put there for God, and so then she gave him the name God. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.